0: Welcome to MTZ Overflow Podcast. In this sermon episode, Reverend Dr. Marcus Allen is preaching from the title, I Am Expecting Greater, in the sermon series, Do Well, Do Good. We're glad you're here. And so in this final sermon of this sermon series, Do Well, Do Good, I want to pull our attention to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse two. And if you're able to stand, please stand in reverence to reading of God's holy word. That's Habakkuk Old Testament to the end of the Old Testament. Amen. If you have Bibles, most of you have these smart devices. You should be able to get there easily. Amen. Habakkuk chapter two, verse two. Amen. And the Bible reads, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry. I want to preach from the topic today, I am expecting greater. (laughs) I am expecting greater. Habakkuk is known as a minor prophet. There's not much historical data about the life of this prophet All we know is what was said in the first chapter of the first verse. He was a prophet. Prophets carry the burden of speaking to the people on behalf of God and speaking to God on behalf of the people. And within these three chapters, this prophet Habakkuk is talking to God, standing in the gap for the people. It's good to have a servant of God who is looking out for the well-being of the people of God. It's good to have a servant of God who is willing to meet the basic needs of life, but also standing before God to protect, provide, and preserve his people. Yes, it's a great feeling knowing that the servant of God has the ear of God. And they are not praying that God would only bless them, but God bless the people. Habakkuk writes this book somewhere between 609 and 605 B.C. Babylon was under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar, and he invades Judah, destroyed the temple, and carried many of Judah's people into exile. Tony Evans, in his commentary, suggests that Habakkuk was a perplexed, Prophet. He struggled because God used the evil Babylonians, Babylonians to judge his people. Habakkuk wrestled with whether God was fair for doing this. And while all, while all struggle with this issue at times, the book of Habakkuk serves as an invitation to look at the who when you don't understand the why. I'm going to say that one more time. It causes us to look at the who when we don't understand the why. When the wicked prosper, yet the righteous suffer, we wonder why. When the rich continue to get rich by unholy means and the righteous are living, uh, has not equated to millions, we wonder why. When the races continue to prosper off of generations of slave labor while the poor continues to remain poor, we should wonder why. This small book in the Bible helps us look at the who when we're perplexed about the why. Because the who is God, we trust that whatever he is doing in our lives are for divine purposes that goes beyond human conception. And I know, I know, I know, I know we have lived with this slave theology that we should not question God, but the prophet in chapter 1 offers God a list of questions, I'm gonna say that one more time. The prophet in chapter one in the Bible, he asks God a list of questions. You all heard before. Don't question God, but the prophet in the Bible, the Holy Writ, the Holy Scriptures that were inspired and breathed on by God, the prophet offers God questions. Will you hear me? Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? Are you not from everlasting, my holy one? Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he why do you make men like fish of the sea, like creeping things that have no ruler over them? Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? The prophet is in the place where he needs to understand God's position on the righteous and the unrighteous. In this book. Habakkuk prompts us to trust God's sovereignty over his kingdom purposes even when we cannot comprehend them. I believe it takes a mature faith to testify I will trust you God even when I don't agree with you. I wish I had a real church today that that, that understand that God makes some decisions that we simply just don't agree with. I wish I had a witness here. Some decisions that we just don't uh, understand. And when God allows certain things to happen in our life, even though we don't agree, we trust that God is in control. Is there anybody in the building today? That that takes some grown-up faith. That takes some straight-up mature faith when a loved one dies that you wanted to live. I wish I had a witness. Uh, when, when they laid you off the job, when you've been doing the best that you you can when you've been walking in God's will and his way, showing up to church and Bible study and prayer, giving a tithe and an offering, but you still get a bad doctor report, it takes some strong faith to trust God when you don't agree with God. Rebecca asks these series of questions, and then he opens up chapter 2, declaring, I'm going to wait and see what God has to say about my issues. I want an answer, and I will patiently wait until I hear from God. While I'm waiting, I'm expecting to see something greater. Let me say that one more time. Wow, I'm waiting. I'm expecting to see something greater. Anybody else in the building wondering or waiting to hear from God? You're waiting to hear from God because what he said is not matching up with what you see. He said all things work together for the good, but it seems as if you can't find any good anywhere. He said I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but it seems as if grief has become my kryptonite and is zapping the strength out of me. He said he'll never leave me, nor would he forsake me, but life now seems as if I'm walking on the journey all by myself, yet I am determined. That even though what he said is not matching what I see, I'm gonna stand watch and wait until he answers me. But while I'm waiting, I'm expecting greater. I I don't know what God is up to. I don't know what God is about to say. I don't know how God is going to respond. I'm unsure if I even appreciate his response, but I'm expecting something greater than my current situation. I I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how he's going to react, but I know if anybody can tell me what's going on, it's God himself. I, I, I don't know how he's going to respond, but I know if I I need somebody to talk to that won't tell my business to anybody else. It's God himself. I don't know what God is going to do, but I just know I'm going to wait until he responds. And while I'm waiting, I'm expecting something greater. Is there anybody here in the waiting room? Waiting room can be a, a a scary place. Waiting room is a place of uncertainty. The waiting room is a place that's full of pain and sadness. But I'm glad to see that I'm not in the waiting room by myself. Have I got a witness here? Uh, I, I, I've been to some waiting rooms when loved ones were, were on the verge of dying, but it was always good to be in the waiting room with other people. I wish I had a witness. Be in the waiting room with somebody else who's going through the same stuff you're going through. And they, can, oh, they, they can't promise you anything. They can just look over and tell you, baby, we're going to be all right. Have I got a witness here? Anybody in the waiting room and you're just waiting for God to... To respond, waiting for God to fix it, waiting for God to turn it around, waiting for God to answer your prayer. But while you are there, my brothers and sisters, don't give up, don't leave the waiting room until God answers your prayer. While I'm waiting, I'm going to expect God to do something greater, and I should expect greater Because God demands that we look beyond the current and prepare for the future. This is why I'm expecting greater, because God himself, he demands us to look beyond the current and prepare for the future. The Bible says in verse 2, then the Lord answered me. one. Chapter one, he gives God a list of questions. Why? Chapter two, the Bible says, Then the Lord answered me. This is enough. This is the sermon. This could be the sermon. We can be done. If I want so committed to the sermon, I can wrap it up right here. Then the Lord answered me. Chapter one. I'm wondering where are you? I'm wondering why you're doing certain things. I'm wondering how you're letting these people prosper against the righteous and the unrighteous are getting their own way. And I'm wondering, God, what is going on here? Then the Lord answered me. Y'all not feeling me in this place. I, I, I've been praying and I've been wondering, God, how I'm going to pay these bills? How I'm going to take care of these children? How I'm going to get through school? How I'm going to pay for this tuition? How I'm going to get through this marriage? God, how you going to make things work? But then the Lord He answered he answered me, which means God responded to my prayer. Help us today, God. God didn't have to. He wasn't obligated. He can do like I tell my children because I said so. Y'all don't, y'all don't tell y'all kids that? You don't need a reason only reason you need because I said so because God is in authoritative position that no one can control the actions of God (laughs) no one can change what God allows but he still answered why God answered him And he said, do this, Uh, write the vision. In God answering the prophet, he puts him to work. And I'm unsure if this was the answer the prophet was looking for. We can shout that God answered, but we're unsure if he answered the prophet as he expected. He tells the prophet, write the vision. prophet, praise, Lord, why? God, answer him and tell him, write the vision. Amen. Uh, When COVID COVID first started, um, Mount Zion, our church, our members, we went to work. We started doing a lot of community-focused activities, feeding people, paying bills, Uh, education, bringing the kids to the school, me to the church, and allowing them to use our Wi-Fi. We started doing a lot of things, and because of the work we were doing, people would see our work, and they would tell us, apply for this grant. And whenever they told us to apply for the grant, it meant we already got the money. We didn't have to compete for it. I wish I had a witness. We we, we didn't have any challenges. All we had to do is write out the purposes of the money and they'll give us what they told us to apply for. So when God tell you to write the vision, it means he'll provide the provision. I wish I had a witness. So when God tells you to write the vision, it means he'll give you everything you need to make the vision come to pass. But you got to write it. I wish I had a witness. So you, you have to do some work. You have to be involved in the process of making the vision come to pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, write the vision. Vision, vision is required for setting our course for life. Vision is needed for us to see what's down the road so we can prepare for it and not be stagnant in the positions in which we are in today. Each second and fourth Sunday, I go down to the juvenile detention center and I ask the children there, what do you want to be in life? And many are totally unsure and they have no Vision. They have no vision. So the Bible is correct when it says where there is no vision, the people perish. And I looked at this scripture in Proverbs 28 and 18, where there's no vision, the people perish because the absence of vision triggers the absence of purpose. And where there is no purpose, there is no production. Therefore, in the absence of production, people perish. I'm trying to help you today. Let me say that one more time. In the absence of vision triggers the absence of purpose. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I should be doing. And since there's no production, there's no purpose, there's no production, which means I'm just going to stand here and do whatever I want to do. I'm going to look around, and whatever I see that makes me feel good, I'm going to run after that. I wish I had a witness here. And since there's no production, then the people perish. This is the problem with our community. Our vision is too blurred to see beyond our current circumstances within our own context. And since we cannot see where we are going, we remain satisfied with where we are. Satisfied with paying rent instead of pursuing the mortgage. Satisfied with the entry level job and instead of pursuing the C suite satisfied with the likes in the inbox messages, but no commitment. We need to be uh, uh, pursuing after greater for our own lives. Vision is a view of what shall be, but it has not become yet. I'm going to say that one more time. Vision is a view of what it shall be, but it has not become yet. We should have vision beyond today. We know not what tomorrow may bring. We don't even know if we'll make it to tomorrow. But if we make it, we need to be prepared for it. I wish I had a witness here. Uh, Vision is, uh, Helen Keller suggests, that uh, suggests, uh, that she was blind and deaf. And she says, can there be anything worse than blindness? She says, yes. The most pathetic person in the world is someone with sight but no vision. (laughs) I think I'm about to stop right there. The most pathetic person is someone with sights but no vision. A few years ago, I, I was convicted at a conference when um, the presenter, he asked, um, um, "How many of you set vision each year for your church?" Proudly, I raised my hand. Then he said, uh, "How many of you set vision for your house?" Shamely. I had to sit there and evaluate what I was doing because my first ministry is my house and if I can't take care of my house I can't take care of God's church so my family should always come before the church and that's to everybody so, so what we began to do every year, we would sit down, we'll get this binder, and we would write out every year what we wanted God to do. We'll sit around the dinner table, my wife and our children, all of us would discuss what were we expecting God to do in that year. Now, some years, what we prayed for didn't happen that year. But somewhere down the line, we reminded ourselves what we prayed about and wrote it down in the binder. And when God answered the prayer and made the vision come to pass, we went back to the binder, put the date by the binder when God made the vision come to pass. And so what that did, it increased our faith. But we were able to see if God did that, he's able to do this. I wish I had a witness here. If God made a way here, I wish I had a witness here. He'll be able to make a way down the line. The Bible said, write the vision. He said, write it. He he puts the prophet to work. We don't know what utensil he used. We could only assume that it was still like Moses. A chisel in a rock. He writes out the vision. Uh, writing the vision allows the vision to affect you before it impacts anybody else. The vision God gives the prophet was not just for him, but he had to write it. But when he wrote it, he had to write it so plainly that others would read it and run with it. I'm still on this first line. I, I ain't even got through. I might not finish this sermon. Amen. He, 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 he says, write it plainly. And when others read it, they can run with it. Which may suggest... That if you present your vision clear enough, when you tell it to other people, they'll run with it and tell it better than you. And in some rooms, you can't get in. But they can get in. But since they knew your vision... I wish I had a witness here. God will put people in your path that'll tell your vision to somebody else that can make your vision come to pass. Is there anybody in the house today that understands that God would use what you have, but you have to be willing to make it clear and concise? Write the vision, make it plain. So when men read it, they can run with it. <laughs> I know, I know. You say like, I, I can't tell everybody my vision. Well, that's true. You got to know who to tell it to. But sometimes dream killers become motivators. Because the very ones that tell you no or you can't become the motivation to push you to show you that I can. <laughs> Help us today. I'm, CT, I'm trying to preach this thing the best I can. You got to be willing to write it out, make it plain. You don't got to be complex. I need a job. Making at least this amount of money, so that I can pay my bills, give my tithe, pay my bills, save some money, and go on a vacation. How plain is that? I need a husband that's going to be at home every night. (laughs) Take my car, put some gas in it. I need a wife. Make it plain. We be too complex. I need a... Make it plain. Because when you make it plain, other people can hear your vision. Oh, I know somebody who hiring for that. Oh, go over there. I went over there and got a car, and they—they'll go. Over. They'll help you get the car that you're looking for. I don't know. Okay. Can't help you with that one. Boo-boo, Ray-Ray, Nut-Nut, Pookie—they somewhere. You got <laughs> plenty of fish. Uh, what's the one you swipe right and you got to go on the internet and look for them. I Google. I need a husband, you know. We got to go find them somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. are you looking at? It? Let's start there. No, let me, no, let me pre- keep preaching. Let me keep preaching. Christian <laughs> mingle, you know, something. I'm just going to take a chance. Amen. I'm going to take a chance. See what happens. Let the Lord do the rest. Saints, y'all not praying hard enough. I've been on here too long. and. ain't. Husband, same thing, same thing. You got a cousin or something? You threw me all the way off with that one. Run, run with the vision. Run with the vision, right? He, he does not say, walk with it. So in pursuing the vision, you must be aggressive. Relentless. Pushing. Have this level of tenacity of can't quit, won't quit. Run with the vision. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Okay, I'm expecting something greater. Because God demands that we look beyond our current and prepare for our future. He asked God all these questions. God said, Yo, write the vision. God said, "Is saying, um, don't worry about right now. Look down the line. But then, then I'm expecting something greater because I trust God's response even when I'm forced to wait. Impatience is the normal human response to God's promise to answer his people. The prophet was to preserve the vision until its fulfillment could be demonstrated to him. God had already decided upon a solution and would reveal it according to God's timetable. But the problem with all of us, we live between time. Between the time of the promise and the time of the fulfillment. We live between the time of the promise and the time of the fulfillment. This is often the struggle we encounter with the vision. We hear the promise, but we have to wait for the fulfillment. We hear weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But when will morning come? <laughs> we, we hear we shall be above and not beneath. But right now we feel as if the world is on top of us. We hear that trouble don't last always. But it seems as if we're having one problem after the next. But while we are in between the promise and the fulfillment, we need to learn how to wait on the Lord. Because if he said it, it'll come to pass. The vision just has not made it to its appointed time. Abraham had to wait on the promised child for 25 years. David was anointed king, but he had to wait nearly 15 years before he was able to sit on the throne. Habakkuk is warned in this verse that God will fulfill his promises when he gets ready. It does not mean that the future events predicted in division will not come. It means you're not ready. Let me say that one more time. It does not mean that what God promised will not happen. It simply means you're not ready. So while you're waiting, make sure you're getting ready. I wish I had a witness. While you're waiting on a new job, you need to act like you're on the new job. While you're waiting for that husband, you need to love God like he's that husband. While you're waiting on the wife, you need to prepare yourself to be a a, a husband to another uh, one woman. I wish I had a witness here. While you're waiting on the bench, you need to appreciate the bus pass. Because God may put you in, in in waiting, but it's only because you're not ready. I got it all together. Now God sees something else that we cannot see. Fulfillment. We don't want we don't want to miss God's schedule, miss up mess up God's schedule time for us. By not being ready when He calls us. Does not mean that the future. uh, 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 In in this third verse, God was telling the prophet, "Wait on the vision." As to say, things may not look like the vision, but the vision will come. Wait on him. Wait on him. Wait on him because when God provides the vision, he's ready to give you everything you need to ensure the vision comes to pass. Walt Disney died before Disney World was ever completed in Florida and open to the public. When eventually the, uh, the park was ready, Mrs. Disney, Walt's wife, was invited to say a few words at the opening ceremony. On the big day, the speaker said, I wish that Walt could have seen this. In response, Miss Disney simply said, he did see it. That's why we're here. (laughs) I'm finished. He did see it. That's why we're here. He may have not been there physically. But because of the vision he saw down the line, what he dreamed of, God brought it to pass. And I just want to inspire somebody today, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your vision. Because what God has for you, it is for you. Expect something greater. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We're so happy that you're here. Please continue to connect with Mount Zion Baptist Church on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and our website, mtzlife.com. We continually put out new content, so be on the lookout and turn those notifications on. Looking forward to seeing you back here soon. Have a blessed day.